Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Oh, I've got eating on today. Oh, now then. Splashing out on the central heating today, ladies and gentlemen. <coughs> treat yourself too. If you've not done it, just treat yourself. Oh, weather. Um, I've got bogged down with weather. Uh, starting off a podcast. Very, very bad way to start a podcast. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome to a new week here at the RGM Music Experience Podcast. My name's Carl Maloney and I talk about weather all the time. Stick around. I, I don't. I, I, I really don't. Um, well, I didn't think I did. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Music Industry Podcast where we delve into the grassroots music industry and beyond and speak to interesting people within it share the vocals and the talking that we do with you the listeners hey hope you're eight yeah my name's Carl Maloney that guy from RGM hope you're having a good week and that you know it's not too uh, I'm not going to talk about weather I nearly talked about weather again <laughs> anyway let's crack on uh, ladies and gentlemen we've got an amazing guest for you today we've got a magazine owner on the line not on the lines coming up soon uh, an English musician journalist bass player music historian TV personality and he's now a doctor John Robb joins us on the podcast today ladies and gentlemen he's coming up very shortly had a good chat with John I'm always a little bit t- intimidated speaking to intellectual people because I'm a bit of a daft lad you know uh, we went to some interesting places in the chat. I kind of like just let it flow a little bit. It, it was a little bit. Um, I felt. It, I don't know. What do I feel? I was intimidated by it. I'll be honest. Uh, just because I know his history and he can, you know, how, how much of a scholar of music he is, and I just feel like I'm blagging that side of things. So it was a little bit intimidating. Uh, you'll probably hear that as you listen to it. I think. Um, but it was a great good chat where you know, delved into what it's like to run a magazine I'm always interested in that he's brought a, bo- a book out The Art of Darkness um, The History of Goth which we talked about that was nice and he's doing a big massive tour like a speaking tour type thing as well that sounds like a lot of fun and we even st- we got on to what kind of social media would Hitler use didn't see that one coming that weren't on my notes I kind of let myself, I could feel myself chilling out towards the end uh, and calming down and just going with the flow a little bit. I've done, the, I've done this these interview things quite a lot. And it was the first time when I thought, just calm down a little bit, mate. That inner chimp, that, that person inside your head that's shouting at you and telling you to be a certain way at times. Yeah, that all, all that happened. Uh, but it was really enjoyable and I appreciate John for joining us Dr John Rob uh, it was a fascinating chat so I think you're going to enjoy it ladies and gentlemen but as always we'd love to hear your feedback on it you know 
So how's your week going? Um, I always presume that this show comes out on a Monday, that, that you all listen on a Monday, but you don't. You, you, you pick it up when you can, don't you? So whenever you're listening to this, wherever you're listening to this, with whom... However, you're listening to this. Words fail me. That's why. That's why I get intimidated by uh, um, clever people. Because uh, I'm just a daft lad. Uh, but anyway, I hope you're having a good time this week and enjoying whatever you're doing. Anyway, the build-up to Christmas is upon us. We've changed all the socials to be a bit more Christmassy. Um, I've started collating a lot of uh, looking back on 2023 content for the uh, for our gym as well this week. So I'm. Uh, Deep in the in the shit, really. <laughs> We've got a lot to do. Um, but yeah, I've got a lot to do. <laughs> I'm just thinking back now over how much I've got to do, and I've got a lot to do. Um, so yeah, um, anyway, stay tuned to rgm.press throughout the week. Got loads of new releases, loads of new tunes, loads of new music, interviews, features, reviews. All the normal kind of magazine entertainment. All kicking off at rgm.press, thank you. We've booked some amazing guests as well for the new year, so uh, stick around, ladies and gentlemen. And as always, uh, we can connect online, can't we, and have a chat and stuff. Uh, th- this this Saturday coming up is the RGM Saturday uh, Christmas drinks thing, so that's, that's all the writers and that get together and have a drink we're gonna have a little bit of booze down at, at lion's den in manchester on saturday i'm looking forward to that you know i'll let you know how it was next week if anybody turns up it's like when you uh when you set up a party and nobody turns up it's quite tragic into it last year we're rammed and it was a right load of fun like me being me just always thinks the worst case scenario anyway i'm babbling ladies and gentlemen let's crack on with the podcast today ladies and gentlemen as i say magazine owner musician in the membranes bassist journalist um music historian he was the one that first interviewed nirvana in new york years ago all the tv work i touch on that that's interesting and now a doctor ladies and gentlemen john rob thanks mate I'm joined by well, you, you don't. I don't need to introduce John Robb. He's, he's out and about in Manchester now. Just um, <laughs> where are you in home? You say? <laughs> yeah, just in home. Yeah, because I, I don't like staying in that's my right. home all day. Yes. Yeah, I've had to do loads of stuff this morning. I've had to go and do a lecture at the university and ah. science and books at Piccadilly. So I'm, it's like it's like an errands day between tour dates. Oh yeah, yeah. We're just just getting little bits done. Funny and about just getting loads of little bits out of way. I think it's called. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, you you always have a never-ending list of stuff <laughs> to get done, which which is great, isn't it? At least you've got yeah. some stuff to do, isn't it? Well, yeah. if, if anybody's unaware of you, you know, you, you own Louder Than War. You're a musician. You're a journalist. You're best known as, yeah, you know, a bass player for Membranes, a musical um, a musical historian, and all the TV work, TV work that you do. So you've got many um, feathers to your bow, aren't you, mate? Yeah, but I just see them as being all different aspects of the same thing, yeah. really, just different facets of the diamond. Yeah. You know, it's if you like me, if you write music, play music, you yeah. can talk about music, you can write music, you can write about music, you can talk about it. It's all it's all the same things, isn't it? So yeah. I don't see they're mutually exclusive of each other, really. 
Yeah. Well, I did have a nosy as well. And now you're a doctor as well. I had a nosy on uh, Instagram <laughs> yeah. as well, mate. Yeah, so. well, I went to uh, I went to Stafford Poly, uh, <laughs> yeah. and after 43 years, they finally gave me my degree. So <laughs> I got I got kicked out there about 1980, but yeah. uh, 43 years later, it's a sign of my current respectability. <laughs> yeah, I found, I found that really interesting. It, it must be kind of like nice in a way. How, how did you like? How did the news like? Uh, how did the news reach you? And was it a surprise anyway? That kind of stuff, you know, like, all these comments. Yeah. Well, I was going to do it. I was doing like a little project with them because they're the biggest mm. gaming university in Britain. So we got right. this little game idea, computer game idea, yeah. which you put together. And there's kind of a green thing I've been working on, and we mm. work and we talk about that as well. And then they just gave me this doctorate out of the. It was out of the blue, yeah. They said, have you, do, you, "Do you want? You've got? Have you got any problem wearing a gown?" That's how they introduced <laughs> it to me. Okay. So. Well, the gal was cool. It was like dressing up as a medieval <laughs> kind of lord or something. It was quite funny. But it's a totally different place now. You know, the, yeah. the guy that runs it, you know, the, the head dean is a massive fan of post-punk, big music mm. head. Yeah. It's, 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 not, it's not like 1980 now, is it? You know, yeah. when uh, pop culture was pr- the preserve of people 30 and under, whereas now it's, it's all the way through society, isn't it? So yeah. being, being into punk in 1980 would obviously eventually at some point get you lobbed out of a place like that. Yeah. Whereas now it gets you, uh, gets you a degree. It is <laughs> weird. I, I, I Acad- mean, academic courses in, in, punk, in punk rock, <laughs> don't they? Yeah. It is weird when you look back to like, particularly when I was a kid, like when I, I did HND Media at school and uh, it, they, they, tried to, they tried to stick loads of different things together uh, to make it worthy of a course, I suppose. So they did like film stuff, they did like radio stuff and they did all, all these other little like things that I still use a lot of the radio stuff that I learned today, today but it, it it must be nicer being a young kid to have these options around you than what when back in my day. Anyway, I'm, I'll, I'll, you can speak for yourself. How was yeah, it I think you? it's, it's good, isn't it? Because you learn the skills. But in a yeah. way, it's, it's kind of good. I like the way we did it where we just... Because uh, punk rock was basically saying anybody could do it, which, mm. of course, that was a total misinterpretation. But that's mm. our interpretation. <laughs> so we just made it, we just did a band because that's what you did. But we never, yeah. we didn't know how to tune up. We put the machine heads in a row. We didn't know scales or chords. Never plugged in an amp before to the first gig. We just went up, totally out tuned and played. And it was totally punk rock DIY, which in a way I, I kind of prefer that. And you just worked it out as you went along, yeah. basically on stage. <laughs> you do, don't you? The thing, it's, it's, you can learn too much. I think probably yeah. it's probably a good idea to learn how to play loads of songs if you work it out, they get written. But on the other hand, there's something quite pure about just working out yourself. And a lot of people in my generation were like that. You know, it's Pete Hooks like that. You can only play Pete Hooks style bass. I don't think he knows any cover versions. You know, it's, none of us did. No, and, and like, it, I, I'll just speak for myself, you can let us know, but, you know, we made as a band every mistake possible just from not having the experiences. And when you speak to new bands these days and you try and pass on some wisdom and pass on that kind of stuff, they they, they do make you feel like like you're being a bit daft sometimes. <laughs> just by saying, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, it, it's a completely different world and a different landscape when you're, as a creative, like, young person now or... No, well, I mean, I mean that's around. good, but I don't think there's actually a set way to make it anyway. Yeah, or yeah. Is it, it's even making it the primary drive, isn't it? It's, yeah. just, it's actually making stuff is more important than making it. Yeah. I mean, it's nice. Of course, you make it, makes your life a lot easier because you got uh, you can survive and that. But it's not about... You can't, it's really, really difficult to make it. And there's no point yeah. making that your prime uh, motivation for doing anything that's arty or whatever. 
I, 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 see, I see a lot of people like when you say make it, yeah, what does make it mean? Making a living out of music, that's the holy grail for a lot of people. But a, a lot of these young kids these days, when I'm going out to watch bands and stuff, they're taking themselves really seriously and worrying about what other bands are doing quite a lot. I, t- I tend to notice as well, which kind of like makes them, I don't know, they might be a bit jealous of that band over there that's got a playing a bigger version of the Manchester Academy than than that band over there and there's a lot of like looking over there rather than you know just get back to basics just write the tunes just rehearse be as best you can and try and do some of that social stuff that everybody's supposed to do these days as well I suppose it's a waste of time worrying about other bands yeah. isn't it because it's not really at the end of the day it ain't going to make any difference to what, how big or small your band is you know somebody you know you may be you may be better, you may be completely amazing, but you may be out of sync with the times. Yeah. You know, you may have something that people don't get at that point in time. The more, you know, maybe the other band's more mundane, but they manage to work out a more watered-down way of, of version of it to get through. I mean, it's, it's pointless, isn't it? It's pointless yeah. bothering about it. You can only do your thing. And that's all, isn't it? And, and like, when I'm, when I'm talking to these bands as well, it's like, um, who do I interview now? Oh, this guy! Oh, he, he used to be in Killing Joke and with Pill Drummer. What's it? The name's gone out of my head. Martin Atkins. Martin Atkins. Yeah, yeah. I, I, thank you for that. I uh, appreciate that. It went out of my head. He, 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 the biggest bit of advice that he gave me to pass on to other people when I interviewed him were, uh, you know, it, it, the crowd. Your crowd's not even going to be in the same city as you. Sometimes you need to get out there. You need to, you know, not. Like, you know, if you're a band from Manchester, you're not necessarily going to make it in Manchester. Look at bands like yeah, October yeah. Drift that are doing really well in Europe now and they don't sell out, they're selling well, you, bigger venues yeah. than in, in the UK. The last, yeah, the last thing you want to be is a local band, you know, just yeah. playing, you know, just playing six times a year to your mates. Yeah. Probably only half like you just go for the pistol. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, that's kind of what I do now, I suppose, is a laugh <laughs> in it. But if you... You're kind of serious about what you're doing. You've got an idea of what your music is. Mm. Uh, just, it is, you've probably got more fans in Tokyo and Berlin than around the corner. I mean, that's, mm. that's what social media has done. It's changed the space on it. You don't, you don't have to graft it out in the cavern anymore like the Beatles yeah. did. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it, it, I'm still trying to get my head around this new world and just try and think what's, we, we obviously cover as much as we can we are Jim and that's just our way of just like giving back I suppose and just doing what we do how do you feel owning a magazine yourself has changed over the last few years and being part of the you know setting up your you've got a manifesto and you've got Loud, Loud Than War and it's you know it's it, it's this massive thing that supports a lot of people out there not just music you know poetry everything culture just you know how, how do you how, how's your how, is it, how does it feel for you and how, how has it changed over the years that magazine thing well weirdly it's like a digital fanzine i'm always back to where yeah. i started but it's bigger <laughs> of course because mm. when i started doing the fanzine i was in blackpool there's only 50 people mm. into alternative music in blackpool then so yeah. you couldn't sell many fanzines whereas now uh with the website you've got an international reach which is great so you, you're continuing thousands of people every day reading stuff on it and uh, but, but in a way it's the motivation for doing it to say it's about uh, you know, you're into new stuff, but also old stuff, and you're recalibrating it. And you're saying, yeah. you know, that band that you most people out there think it's a bit naff. They're actually quite genius. Check it out. You know, listen to it this way. You know, so and so it's, it doesn't really have a set way it has to be. You know, lots of people write for it, and they all have different reasons why they write mm. for it. You know, so it's I mean, it's a lot of live reviews. The Prodigy was on there this week, and also there's a brand new band on at the same time. Mm. You know, it's. Uh, yeah. 
I don't think music can be one thing all at once. It's not just new bands. It's not just old bands. It's about music that captivates you in that moment in time. And that's all it can ever be. It's It's got to a stage for me personally where it's not, it, I've, I've turned into a bit of a manager and that's what I didn't want to happen, if you know what I mean. I don't get time to listen to all the great music that comes in. You know, I'm yeah. jealous of the people that are going out and doing all the live gigs when I'm just sat at home sorting all the all the boring manager bits out. It's kind of got, it's got to, it, 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 did it ever feel like that for you at, at times? Well, I suppose, yeah, you have to do a lot of admin, don't you? Just yeah. to uh, stop all your stuff falling apart, isn't it? But that's like in any kind of world, yeah. isn't it? You know, if you're in a band, you have to make sure your gear doesn't fall apart. On a website, you have to make sure it doesn't break. It is, <laughs> you have it? to email people all day. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's the nature of being yeah. doing things yourself, and you don't have a an assistant, you don't have an office. It's just you, isn't it? Yeah, and that's that's quite good in a way, isn't it? Because but, yeah. you stand and fall on your on what you do yourself, isn't it? You, you do that, and you, and, you, and you make mistakes along the way. We, like, since I read your manifesto, I thought, we, we need a bit more of an identity, I think. And uh, and, and part of our identity is, because we, we, well, we, we were kind of new, and uh, when I first started, like, you know, seeing what's going on over there at Louder Than War, we kind of, I kind of, like, wanted to have a bit more of an identity, because it, it, it means something having an identity, doesn't it? People can relate to things more just by having something that's, you know, they, they can think about more than just seeing it's a music magazine. And, and mine was, uh, you know, uh, don't be afraid of dropping a bollock. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. Make mistakes and just, you know, admit to them and own the mistakes and move on. Um, they're not necessarily mistakes, or are they? Yeah. They're just, you know, you can only be in that moment of time. So something yeah. you're really into one moment of time, you might not be into it a year later. Yeah. So you just move on to the next thing, innit? Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, it's... it's uh, um, just, just you know, running a magazine and having people that do stuff within the magazine as well. Um, how have you uh, seen, does particularly digital uh, media change over the years? Do you think it's? I, I think it's really it's quite a saturated industry, but there's a lot of passionate people doing it for the right reasons that are trying to um, trying to do the best with it. I feel now rather than people just having a website that did you know just. I don't know, just like a hobby type of thing. There's more people to be quite serious about digital journalism and helping the new people have a voice and that kind of stuff, which I know you guys do. We're definitely trying to do that as well. But how do you see the landscape of that changing uh, as we look forward into 2024? I think all the major changes in this current period are in place now, aren't they? So um, I think one of the, one of the interesting changes is that everybody, say if we talk about music media, Every band is its own media, isn't it? So bands that don't get written about anywhere, it's not a big deal anymore. They don't need to get written about because their Facebook page and their website is their own media. Often they're often they're bigger than most of the medias are. You know, they've got their one million followers yeah. and they deal directly with them. That's that's a big change. You know, in the seventies, if you got a few slag offs in the music papers, your career was knackered. But now you can actually exist on your own. You dictate your own terms, you know, media terms. I think the other thing is, um, is you know, writing is still important, but not as it was because people can hear stuff and can see stuff, you know, YouTube clips, Spotify, streaming. It's, it's all very, very available, isn't it? So when you write about music, what are you writing about? What is your role? Is it, is it uh, framing it? Is it putting it in a certain place and time? Well, so I think like writers, maybe the job's more, it's different. You write about stuff, but you also connect stuff. You're a cultural catalyst. 
you go in a room and you say, you speak to the bands, you know, you, you go to the view and you speak to them after and go, why don't you speak to this person, tour that person? I know this person over here. Mm. So you, you, you can't, so you, you document, but you're also a catalyst. I think that's what journalists should do now, music journalists. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting because you can, uh, you can you can help people, and but sometimes you don't like see where the path goes, do you? You know, you can pass on those kind of messages when you speak to bands backstage for a little bit, or you're just out for a beer, and there's one of them out, and you think, oh, you're that band, and then you have a chat with them, and um, and sometimes you you don't see how far that advice goes, but it's definitely worthwhile passing on the, the knowledge if you've got. Oh it. yeah, there's, I mean, there's quite a lot of things I've managed to connect up to over the years. Yeah. It's about making things happen, and I think that's mm. kind of a role that. Yeah. You, that's a role we like to think we do it louder and more. You know, we we make things happen. You know, we don't we don't just mm. sit on the edge of things, uh, bitching about stuff. <laughs> we like to get right in there and make make something yeah. happen. You know, if there's a band that we're really into, you would write about it to to so people can find out about them. Mm. Or you know, we think, well, why don't you go and speak to this label here? They're looking for bands. You know, or why do you, you know? So in in a way. Yeah, I think it's a catalytic thing as well. You're trying to start the revolution every day. <laughs> you, you are, you are, it can, if, I don't know, I'm, I'm just speaking for myself. I'm always down on what I do a little bit. I feel, I feel like I'm going to always do better. So in, in a way, I'm just glad that I'm speaking to you. I've, you know, I know, I've had Nigel Carr, you know, your co-owner and editor of the magazine as well. I've had him on the show before and he's always open for advice and that kind of stuff. And I kind of look up, to yours being like the big boys you know the you've been around you've been around a lot longer you you know the score more you it's kind of it's kind of like a look up to you guys are you aware of like your stance within the uh within the industry itself no no because we don't really look at it like that yeah. you know it's um we don't we, know we're, we're happy that loads of people read the sites and yeah. we, we're happy that we can make a difference but we don't think we're above anybody else no. you know i i see all media as as um as, as, it's patchwork now, and it? it's not for music papers and John Peel. It's a hundred websites, a hundred podcasts, mm. uh, online digital radio stations, a little bit of six music in there. It's like so many different things, and mm. and the you know within that net, it will catch some of the little fish, you know. Yeah. So you know, so it's it's not like if you miss the four papers and John Peel, no one's going to hit, no, you exist. Yeah. There's always going to be another website can write about you. There's always going to be a podcast. They could talk about you, you know. So I see it's just part of all that community of people. Mm. You like to document, but also like to make things happen. Yeah. I don't think we're better or worse than anybody else. I mean, I, I, we like the people we work with. You know, we mm. um, we have a very good team of people, yeah. but we're not. We're not. You know, it's, it's, it's you know what you, you what you do is important as well. It's all important, isn't it? Mm. It's all. It's kind of reflecting stuff that's out there. And turning people on to stuff, that's what we all do, isn't it? Whether it's one person or 10,000, it's all important, isn't it? Yeah, well, it, it, as you say yourself, I listed all your all, all your accolades and what you've done throughout your career and that kind of stuff. And I can see that, you know, there's a link to it all, as you know, Louder Than War, being a journalist, being in uh, music, the TV work that you do. Now, do you know some of the TV stuff that you've done, John? Do you know the do you know like the, the look back programs? I'm always a bit fascinated by them. Do, do you know like when when somebody describes something that happened in the eighties on the telly and they're, and they're like and, it, and it's like they've remembered it for it's like they've just seen it and then they're describing it for the first time. <laughs> how how is that like set up as a thing for you as one of those people on those TV programs? Is it is it as set up as what it looks sometimes, or is it genuine reactions to your memories of these things? Pretty genuine. I mean, they'll send yeah. you a list of most of the videos yeah. or where the songs are going to talk about. Um, 
you never get around to watching them because you always <laughs> do your other stuff. Yeah. But I, I've got a really good memory. I've got a photographic memory. I can wow. remember so much stuff. So it's 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 done. I can I can wing it really easily because yeah. if you show me a video <laughs> of a pop song or any any kind of bit of music from mm. even from the sixties onwards, I would kind of know something about it wow. and have an opinion on it. And I know its cultural context. So I, know, I would know most stuff. Although you do get. In case you get one, you go, whoa, I don't remember this at all. But then I can't, I don't talk about it because I say, well, I can't talk about that. I don't don't talk about everything, you know, so it's about, say, two thirds and the other third is say, that's that's not my thing. I don't know much about that. Because they're interviewing loads of people. They don't need everybody to talk about everything, you know. So you, you just talk about the ones you've got an opinion on or an idea about. Yeah, yeah. No, I've, I just, I've just, I just. Thanks for that. I just wouldn't mind a little bit behind the scenes of those because I, I do watch a lot of them. I love those type of programs. You know, the looking back in the eighties or the nineties or the seventies, whatever it may be, those type of programs. Like, and it's Christmas time coming up, and there'll be a few more coming up, won't they? Have you done any recently? Um, I've done a couple, yeah. But yeah. Do you know what? I don't really watch the telly that much because no. I'm usually out and about. Right. Okay. So, so when I'm on, I don't really know when I'm on. Yeah. It's only, it's only because you see on Twitter it pings up. So, oh, right. I saw you on the telly last night. That's <laughs> right. it. Okay. That's kind of what I know that I've been on the telly and yeah. things, you know. I mean, there's loads of great telly, but I'm, I'm just doing other stuff, you know. I'm usually, yeah. I'm either out of gigs, I'm writing, uh, you know, well, I'm just doing stuff, you know. I'm always yeah. doing stuff. I do stuff all day long. So yeah. I don't really have uh, sitting on a sofa time yeah. watching telly. I mean, I, I suppose it should for mental health, but <laughs> it's just not It's not my thing. I, I like to be doing stuff instead. I'm more of those, I, I like creating things instead of... Um, yeah. uh, you know, I like to be the one that's doing the thing instead of watching it. Even if I'm on the telly, in fact, watching yourself on telly is the worst, isn't it? <laughs> God, what, what are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's great. I think it's great. And, uh, you know, like, you're always doing stuff and you said you're always writing. Um, I do, I, you know, you've just brought out a brand new book as well that we must talk about. The Art of Darkness, The History of a Goth. Now, I, I, I never personally had much to do with that kind of, uh, side of the music industry, the goth scene at all. For for me, the, it were a couple of kids at school who had black hair and a and a, and a cult t shirt, something like that. It well, it it wasn't like a part of the music industry that uh, that I had any kind of like affiliation with. So when I saw the book, I thought, and just looked at all the people you've interviewed inside the book, I just thought, just talk us through the inspiration of you know wanting to you know delve into that side of the music industry. I think it's pretty good that it's not your thing, you know. I think yeah. everybody's there's so much music out there. Anybody can find a space, you know. But I think a lot of people like a lot of different things at the same time, and also there's lots of crossovers. So even though they weren't really a goth band, Joy Division were a massive influence on the goth scene, like musically, and, and what Reen Curtis brought to it with his poetic lyrics and his voice. And you're probably a Joy Division fan, you know. It's it's part of the Manchester thing, and it's part of our DNA, you know. Comedians, not strictly a goth band, but a lot of goths used to like them. They're in the book. You'd probably be surprised at the cure. They're in there. It's just, mm. There's probably a few things you probably would like a bit or a few songs by that are actually in the book. It's not like everybody in that world had to be a goth to like that music and the yeah, culture either, yeah. you know. Yeah. I mean, when I've been doing events, you know, there's a few, you know, every night, it's half of it's kind of goths and the other half's just music heads. Who mm. are people like me who like lots of different music. I mean, I like. Music, I like African music, I like dub music, I like electronic music, I like punk, I like rock and roll, I like goth, I like uh, Aphex Twin, I like pop music. I mean, I like, I'm a music head, I like lots of different yeah. types of music, you know, I'm not uh, exclusive. I suppose uh, 
sort of glam to punk to goth was was definitely a space I inhabited in that time. So it's kind of more like home turf for me writing about that stuff. But then I love the Mondays and the Roses as well, you know. Mm. So it's when you're a music head, you're pretty open. You, you're you're into stuff, aren't you? I don't get those people who only like eight bands and the loyal, the dogged. They they support the bands like like um, third division football clubs through thick and thin, which is nice <laughs> when they do that. It's nice yeah. when you're in the bands because it keeps you keeps you going in that. But you know, I I like so many different things. I can't understand only liking a few things. You know, listen to the same thing over and over would drive me mad. I yeah. think I think I'm in that camp, John. I think I think I am. Yeah. I, I, I don't think I've been that experimental with music too much. And and what, what's great about RGM is I, I get sent some mad stuff that that that, that I've, I've missed out. I've been close-minded to some music through the years as well, and it's you know it's understanding well, that too, and it sometimes. On the, on the other hand, you can only really like what you like. You can't yeah. make yourself like things, yeah. you know. So you have to follow your own instincts. Yeah. But I like to keep an open mind. Yeah. I like to be open-minded about. Well, life really, you know, yeah. you just, uh, you know, not not doing the same things over and over again. But, you know, we're all different, aren't we? You know, the way we react to the world is that's what makes it fascinating, isn't it? Mm. Everybody's in, everybody's got a different aspect, a different way of reacting to yeah. culture. Isn't it? None of it's wrong and none of it's right, is it? You know, when people uh, state their opinion as a fact, it always makes you laugh. That <laughs> this band, this band is really shit fact you know well no you don't like it (laughs) opinion you know it's not it's not a fact you you know some pop stuff's on the telly and people get mad about it people get mad about x facts who cares don't watch it you know it's not important it's it's not it's not it's not for us is it's for other people isn't it you know i've no interest in it at all well, I think I first came across John Rob when you, uh, you you were the first person to interview Nirvana in the UK. I think many years ago, uh, and in your new book, The Art of Darkness, there's a link in the description of this podcast if you fancy you know grabbing it for Christmas or buying it for yourself, whatever. Uh, you know, just the amount of people that you've interviewed in there: Nick Cave, Killing Joke, Johnny Marr, The Cure. It, you know, having hist- having interviewed all these different people through the years, do do you see any kind of like common themes with the people that have made it in the music industry, and and the big people that that have followed through these interviews that you've had with these amazing people? Well, in the context of that book, the people take music really seriously. Um, mm. They live for life. You know, they're in that they inhabit that world. They, they don't just turn up once a week to rehearsal and put on their outfits. They're like that all day long. It's twenty four seven. You know, I think, you know, clothes, music, the whole equation is cultural. It's got a whole cultural backstory, books, films, everything. You know, it could be influences into it and also influenced by it as well. I think that's true of all kind of musics, you know. But, you know, it's, it's not something you just switch on and switch off. You know, you, I, th- I think it's always in there. You know, they're always creating. And also, people work hard, you know. There was always that thing when I was a kid when the idea of being a band was better than getting a job. It was better, it was better than getting a job you didn't like, but it was harder work than most jobs. You have to be you have to be on it all day long, you know, which is, but at least you're on something you like doing, you know, and that, that was important. But the graft is, is key, I think, you know. There's no such thing as genius, but there's an awful lot. There's people good at what they're doing, but they have to graft to get to the, uh, the nuggets, the nuggets of truth. Yeah. What what process do you follow when interviewing a band? Is it is there a set way that you go about it, or do you do it different for different people, or how do you go about, you know, interviewing the, the most? Well, you have to know about them a bit. Yeah. Uh, but also, um, the most important things get a rapport and trust, and sometimes you've only got thirty seconds to get that. Yeah. 
So you just have to you have to find that space very very quickly. But I don't think there's even a technique. I don't even know what the technique is. But I would say ninety five percent of the interviews I've done, I managed to get that level of trust very very quickly. So yeah, so that really helps. You know, if somebody doesn't like you, doesn't trust you, you won't get an interview. You just get uh, monosyllabic uh, answers. But if somebody trusts another human being then you'll get the good stuff, you know, and that's a two way process. Yeah. You know, if they're starting to um, get into areas that perhaps they shouldn't be, you've got to guide them back out again, you know, so you've got to look after people. Some people, some people, you know, some musicians can be quite vulnerable people as well, you know, so um, yes. Um, but then there's all different ways of doing interviews. You could be the combat interview where you just pile in and start really going at the person yeah. to test them out. That was a very 70s technique. You know, people did that, didn't they? Or you could do my least favourite kind of interview when somebody turns up with a clipboard of questions <laughs> and goes down them all one by yeah, one. And it's yeah. not a conversation, is it? It's just like, you just start to like really riff on something. Then they ask you something completely different. Yeah. You know, like, like they have no interest in what the answer is, which I'd for a conversation. I think conversation is the best kind of interview. No, I, I definitely agree. And it's, it, it, I, I found like, particularly like post- uh, COVID when I when I started doing a lot more Zoom interviews because Zoom has its positives it has its negatives doesn't it you know it's really convenient to get somebody that's in a different part of the country and have that chat with them straight away uh, you don't have to travel all that kind of stuff the cost of it all um, Zoom has really helped me uh, you know get the people I want to have a conversation with on the podcast how, how do you feel about doing things remotely these days and 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 just because you mentioned right at the beginning there you know getting their trust and that kind of stuff so it's harder when you're not there in real life as well and it is there is there a different like techniques yeah, yeah. That you use and stuff well you still have to get the trust in the yeah. zoom but i know what you mean it's yeah. it's a bit more clinical it's two-dimensional obviously yeah. i mean that's the thing about communication it's not just words is it it's mm. um because we're actually because we're animals it's about it's all the senses in it it's like um it's, it's the energy connection in it. It's, it's, it's so many things, isn't there, that if you meet somebody in real life, it's a very different experience yeah. of talking into your phone <laughs> like yeah. this. Yeah. You know, so, but, but, but it doesn't mean it's completely dead. And also the advantage of it is most interviews you can't really get because you don't live in the same country as somebody, yeah. you know. So by Zooms, you can get close to getting a very good interview with somebody at the other side of the world, you know. So you can get a lot of good stuff. Um, in, a, in, a, in a slightly oblique kind of way, mm. yeah. Is, is there anybody you still got on your list that I need to have a chat with those people? Is there, is there anybody that's still there that you've not managed well, even to the, yet? Even with the book, you know, it would have been nice to get Robert Smith again, but I've done uh, Robert Smith before from The Cure. Yeah. And it was cool because we he's from Blackpool when he was a kid, mm. so we had a Blackpool yeah. conversation, so that was nice. I don't think he meets many people from Blackpool, so that was our little rapport uh. moment. Uh, Susie would have been good for the book because she's so iconic. And yeah. I, I like those um, people who do music who are, are really conceptual. You know, they're, they're completely in their own world. And those people are really fascinating. You know, they what they look like, how they conduct themselves, the whole thing is it, like a work of art. It's not just the music. But yeah, there's, there's calm a lot of people. I, I have a list, you know, just every now and then I wait. Mm. I like people who are interested in like ideas. It doesn't even have to be music. There's people yeah. beyond music I'm interested in as well, you know. I tell you, it's really interesting. Grimes, um, mm. you know, uh, the singer, the pop singer, uh, she went out with Elon Musk for a bit, which is a bit weird. Oh, yeah. But her, in- her interviews are great because she talks a lot about AI, computer mm. tech, 
quite esoteric ideas, um, a bit like a Bowie interview. They wouldn't even talk about the record. They would talk about everything else that's really interesting and forget their own record. I like those kind of people, you know. I think uh, I like to come away from an interview where I feel, whoa, that was, you feel uh, enlivened and empowered by ideas. Yeah. Ideas are more exciting than anything, aren't they? Yeah. I I've I recently read Elon Musk's book. And it talks about his relationship with Grimes and, uh, you know, up and down and that kind of stuff. And, and you know, that's their private life. But, uh, you know, it, Elon Musk as a person, as a personality, he's just come up in conversation. What's your thoughts on what he's trying to do to the world? I think uh, Grimes is far smarter than Elon Musk. It must be, yeah. must be quite boring for her to go out with him. Uh. He's not he's not an innovative inventor at all, is he? He's, just a, he's a rich kid. He's a... He's from a Diamonds family in South Africa who just buys other people's ideas and sticks his name on them, doesn't he? He's, not, he's never invented anything. Has he? he made all his money out of PayPal, which is already going. He just bought it. And, I mean, he's good, he's good at turning, at that point in time, he's good at turning multi-million dollar businesses into multi-billion dollar businesses. There's a skill there, I guess. But he didn't invent electric cars. He didn't invent PayPal. He didn't invent, didn't invent anything. You oh. know, he's, he's got this yeah. whole image of being an innovator, he's just blanked the whole thing, hasn't he? but he's, he can afford to blag it all because he's loaded, isn't he? You know, so... Uh, I read uh, yeah, Steve Jobs' book he, and he's a similar kind of person where he's, he, he, he doesn't physically make stuff. He uses other people's ideas and makes that into a billion-dollar mm-hmm. company. It's, it's weird, well, I think there's, there's a skill to that, isn't it? Because you know where the action is. Yeah. And luckily, because you're from rich parents, you can afford to buy it all up. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd, did you th- do you think you'd be a different person if you had rich parents? <laughs> do you think you'd think still be? As, I think yeah. everybody would be because yeah. uh, the possibilities are endless, aren't they? You know, you you can afford to do stuff. I mean, I'm sure you have ideas of what you would like to do or what yeah. would be a cool thing to do, and you can't do it because you, you're hampered by the amount of money you have, yeah. or the possibilities you have, mm. or the people you know. Because once you've got a really big business up and running, because you have the money to do it, you know everybody else is loaded and stuff. Yeah. So it's you kind of know all the other people to go to, you know, all the people come to you. That's the other thing, isn't it? So yeah. it's, it's a lot easier to be uh, Elon Musk in his uh, mansion, with these billion dollar bank accounts, uh, getting things off the ground. than it is to be uh, like a kid on the back end of Salford in the state. who's probably a hundred times smarter. would never get a chance to do anything because the way our society is constructed, it's completely fucked up. We have a society in it, but all the, all the smart people, you know, just normal kids. They're locked out. They're, they're not, they don't get a chance. It's all wrong. It's all upside down, isn't it? Do you, you know, like you see you see endless articles about how smart the royal family are. Right. And they're probably the most stupid people in Britain, <laughs> aren't they? You know, there's nothing remarkable about them at all, is it? The remarkable people are the people, like I say, somebody, just some 17-year-old kid in Salford on the state yeah. is way smarter than any of these people but can't get out of that state because the way our society is constructed is... It's, it's, it's one of the primary things that makes country fucked up. Yeah, I did. I, I did. I didn't mind that he bought X though, and well, changed change Twitter to X. I, I, I think that when you look at the social media platforms and how much influence they have on politics and that kind of stuff, and particularly voting, and how much negative impact it can have, or potentially have, it could be a nightmare. But it looks like. You know, it's going down the route of it's a bit more regulated, like Wikipedia, where the community makes a decision on what's a fa- what's class as a fact or not, and that kind of stuff. See, I see good things there through, through that he's trying to do through X. No, he's he's got exactly the same problems he had before because <laughs> he, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't know what to ban. Then he unbans it, and then yeah. 
And it's, you know, as, as somebody who's a very liberal person, I like that way that everyone's got a voice, but I can see how it's very detrimental, isn't it? Mm. You can see really bad ideas catching fire yeah. from uh, Twitter, but what do you do? Do you regulate it or do you not regulate it? That's a, this is the argument of our time, isn't it? Yeah. So I don't think he, has a, he hasn't got a clue what he's doing. He's losing money hand over foot. I mean, it's, it could collapse at any point, Twitter. I think he's made a complete mess of it. I mean, the guy that ran it before, Jack, oh God, his second name's got something there, but he, he was clever and he had a concept of what he's doing, but he got out because of this problem. It's a conundrum, mm-hmm. isn't it? Because the guy ran it before, is it Jack Delaney? I can't remember his name, but, you know, his idea was a, a free-form platform. You can have any opinion you want. But, of course, you get to a point where it's, it's, it's full of fascists. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's, you know, if, if Twitter had been around the 1930s, Hitler would have been on that before anything else, you know. <laughs> so it's, you know, be, by being, uh, by giving everybody a voice, it doesn't necessarily get the outcome that you want. You know, that's the problem. And I don't know why, I don't know how Elon Musk thought he could na- navigate his way through that problem. Because if you start banning everybody, that's, well, it's freedom, isn't it, you know. But if you start letting everyone speak, then you turn you turn up. It, it, it doesn't end. It's it's just there's so many permutations. You just don't know yeah. what's going to happen next. It's a really crazy thing to buy into. He's lost a fortune on it yeah. so far, hasn't he? It, it's fascinating. Do you think Hitler would be on? Uh, what a stupid question! I don't know why I'm going with this. Like on Instagram, he won't be on Instagram, would it? I think he'd be on. Oh, TikTok. Oh, oh, he'd be on oh, TikTok, 100%. wouldn't it? No, 100% he'd be on Instagram. <laughs> it, it, Instagram is about what you look like. and they, right, they were, okay, yeah, you know, they were little hair and that. Yeah. Goose-stepping in their Hugo okay. Boss suits, weren't they? Yeah. They were all about the look, weren't they? I mean, yes. in a way, you could argue they were the first of the modern era politicians, you know, like st- uh, stage-managed rallies. Yeah. Everyone's got, like, really smart clothes on. It looks really good. You know, <laughs> they had, uh, you know, people making films that make them look like superheroes. It was all... You know, it's a very modern uh, media fix they were doing. They would have been all over the socials. Every day you get a picture of, like, you know, Hitler and he's, like, some, like, really well-made outfits sat there holding a baby or patting a, a yeah. deer on the head, you know, to give him <laughs> a softer, warmer glow, you know, while he's doing all the evil stuff in the background. <laughs> Look, I, I, I like speaking to you, John. It, it, I, I always think I've not thought things through enough. <laughs> when I speak to you, oh, it's only my opinion. I'm not saying it's right. No, I just like how direct you are with that kind of stuff. I appreciate it. It's nice. Uh, so, you know, so, you know, outspoken person, you've got your own opinions. Perfect for a, a rock and roll spoken word tour that you've got coming up, mate, as well. So, uh, how do you prepare for going on tour? And um, how, how, what's the format like for your new tour? Talk us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, this year I've done about 40 book dates with Goth mm. Book, and they've gone really well. It's always yeah. like, they always sell out, so it's got really good crowds and that. So I just mentioned somebody, uh, Phil Jones actually manages John mm. Cooper Clark. So he's going really well. Do you want to what about getting some dates where I just go around, talk about my life and music, you know, and um, with some really good tangents. So I could talk about the Nevada thing, you know, going interviewed mm. at first, staying in New York for a few days, and, you know, or I could talk about uh, the Roses and the Mondays singing in Manchester. And, mm. I mean, I've got so many, I've got endless music stories because yeah. I've, I've been so many things, uh, seeing stuff firsthand and got some really good angles on it. He said, well, that's really good. Let's, I'll, book, I'll book you about five. And he came back with about 30. <laughs> so, <laughs> <All right. laughs> so it'd just be um, mainly, uh, most of me talk about my life and music, lots yeah. of anecdotes about lots of different things. A couple of them might have um, some special guests. There's a few people in different mm. towns said, mm. oh, I'll come down to that. And we can have a chat on stage. So, 
there may be a, uh, a two-way in conversation where we speak to each other. You know, somebody up a band, you know, in like Sheffield or Birmingham may come down and we have, we do that as well. Or we may just do two. We have the conversation then and I'll do my talk afterwards. There, there will be surprises and things. Oh, nice. But it'll be a night of talk about music and culture yeah. and, and beyond, really. Because, I mean, I, I could actually go off on a tangent about the universe because I know all the scientists from the CERN project, and that's a pretty interesting thing, isn't it? Okay. Talking about how the universe actually goes on forever. Space goes on forever. Yeah. There's, there's multiverses, millions, trillions of universes, and all that complete mad head fuck stuff, yeah. which is utterly fascinating, isn't it? But I was, I'm getting it, I was getting it firsthand off all these scientists I knew who worked for CERN projects. So I kind of yeah. knew stuff that was about five years ahead for quite a bit of time. I need to have a little catch up with those guys to see where their the- theories are up to. <laughs> see if they get it. I mean, if I... And maybe I'll roll into Southampton. I'll do. I'll get Chris Packham to come down. We'll do a nature one, you know. Because I'm good mates with Chris because he's a massive punk, you know. So he'd sit, he'd be sat there trying to talk about obscure punk records, and I'd be there trying to talk about obscure birds. <laughs> <laughs> Are they lining Chris up to be the next um, to take over from Attenborough? Yeah, do you think it feels? Yeah, like yeah. That? He's, he's like the radical. He's a radical Latin brother because yeah. Chris is an old punk, so he doesn't really want to be a national treasure. Right, okay. He, he still got. He still has the punk gene in there. He likes to cause trouble. Yeah. You know that's uh, a punk thing. But I think he. I mean, I do say to him, he's a national treasure. and He mm. hates that. But I think he's becoming one. Yeah. Although he's polarizing, isn't he? Because all those people who, who like walking around the countryside and shooting things from a mile away, mm. which are weirdos, you know, borderline psychopaths, they all hate him, don't they? But you know, if that's the kind of people that hate you, you know, you're doing the right thing, yeah. isn't it? You know, he's telling me about his, his house. People always setting fire to him, bits of his house mm. or chucking homemade bombs into his garden and doing like loads of bad stuff. Mm. He has loads of, uh, loads of bad shit goes on, you know, because they're trying to shut him up, aren't they? They're trying to scare him off and that, you know, because apparently hunting is, is a right, which is kind of weird. Because I always thought, you know, I'll, I'll come to the countryside. You can, you can gallop around and rip a fox to pieces. Yeah. But if you were in a city... And a, a gang of kids on bicycles chased a cat around and ripped it in half. They'd all get put in jail, wouldn't they? So I don't understand how it's okay if you're if you're a magistrate to mm. kill something. If you're a normal person, it isn't. <laughs> I mean, personally, yeah. I'd have neither, but you can't have one <laughs> or the other. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's definitely it's definitely something to think about. Isn't it? What do what do you do? Is Fox inst- Fox on install band? Is what? Is it Fox on install band? It is, it is, yeah, but they do it, don't they? they because do, they they're, the, they're out, the magistrates, yeah. so they, right, they do. Okay, it's, yeah, no, nobody's got and to tell the them cops all. turn a blind eye. They're meant to do yeah. a drag hunt, aren't they, where they drag uh, the scent of a fox around. And they run around, but what they're actually doing is hunting foxes. He goes on all the time, doesn't it? So, well, just, they're just weirdos. <laughs> they're just, just, yeah. just by having this, you know, 40-minute chat with you today, I think the tour's sounding like it's going to be amazing. So there's no real set structure to it. It's just going to be stories from the life, and you've got millions of those, and then some surprises yeah, in got, as well. Yeah, millions of surprises. But yeah. there will be a set list. Yeah, I'll have right. a set list. And, yeah. I mean, it's funny because I know some comedians. I know Stuart Lee really well. Yeah. And I always thought Stuart Lee did off the top of his head, but he actually learns the set. He does do tangents. It's quite impressed by that. I was thinking, how can you learn two hours of stuff? You know, I, I went to see him at the at Lowry last year. I was there. Last tour. It was yeah. Great. yeah, yeah. It, 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 it you, you never know with comedians the, the callbacks that they do, how, how set up they are, 
uh, and you know how how or have they really forgotten they come back? But they've always they've always got it nailed on it. They know exactly what they're doing. It's it's impressive how they do. Oh yeah, he's he's amazing. Yeah. And, um, I mean, he does do he does do little tangents, and he does that. He, he did that. Were you there that night where he did the twenty minute story, and some bloke went out for a piss, and he goes, <laughs> "Where are you going, mate?" Take me twenty minutes to get to the end of this, and we're just about to get to the punchline. And you, That's you don't great. care about my art at all. And you just go, yeah. you're just leaving. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And it's really funny because, in real life, because because it's an act, isn't it? Because yeah. Stuart Lee on stage plays the part of this kind of really grumpy character, yeah. but in real life, he's not really like that at all. You know, <laughs> I mean, he's another he's another massive music head. He's really sweet, yeah. and he's dead into his music and that. So I, when I, I sometimes go and say hello to the merch desk, it's really funny because people going up there looking a bit scared, like he's going to bite their head <laughs> off, but he's not, he's, he's not like that, you know. But he is amazing, isn't he? I think but the way he does is great. He, and I did an interview with him where he told me about the art of comedy, he really studies it. So he's really into music hall from the 1920s and 30s. He buys up old scripts. Wow. So a lot of his jokes are based on quite... Uh, the, it's like the art of comedy, mm. you know. So he will take a 1920s rambling, a really well-constructed musical joke and just kind of do it in, in modern style, you mm. know. So it's 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 very, very clever, you know. About- but my thing is more different now. My thing will be, because I'm actually quite good at doing stuff off the top of my head. But, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'd have a structure, but I would go off at tangents and circle back in again. Yeah. Yeah. So what is there? Um, so I, there's going to be a link in the description of this podcast for the tour tickets, of course. There's a link in there for the for the book. John, as always, we really appreciate your time, mate. Is there is there a message that you'd leave the people that are hovering over the link that haven't pressed it for your tour yet? Is there anything you can entice them in and just say, let's just fucking press it? <laughs> yeah, just fucking press it. <laughs> yeah, it. We'll have a good time. I mean, yeah. just come to the gig and just hang yeah, out. Okay. You know, it's, we'll do the thing, and afterwards yeah. we'll just sit there for hours. Just chatting amongst yeah. ourselves, anyway, you know. Oh, mate. <laughs> well, John, mate, as, as always, uh, I, I look up to you. I think you're great, and uh, thanks for joining us today for an episode of the podcast. It's very much appreciated. John, Rob, thanks for joining us today, mate. Nice one. Thank you very much. Oh, cheers, John, mate. Nice one. So, what do you think? Can you tell? Can you hear me? Uh, clogs ticket clogs. Cogs ticking away. Uh, just trying to make a trying to like keep up. It's hard work being me, you know. Uh, you think when you do these kind of things quite a lot, you get better at it. But it's, it, it, you, you, just, you just try your best, don't you? And I think I did all right. I think I got through it okay. But John, as always, is a, a very gracious guest, and <laughs> it just made me overthink this one a little bit. I think. So anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us for another week here at the podcast. My name's Carl Maloney, that guy from RGM. Stick around, you can watch the interview on YouTube as well, of course. Pop us a little subscription on there. And as the build-up to Christmas continues, the entertainment and music industry doesn't slow down much. It does slow down, what we're talking about. Um, it's, uh, there's a lot going on, and join us at rgm.press for a little poke around what's going on down there in the music industry and beyond of course so ladies and gentlemen thanks for joining us for another week I've been Carl Maloney that guy from RGM I'm babbling toodaloo welcome to RGM are you in a band come and join us simply click on the RGM submission page submit your music and we'll sort the rest hello 
Did you know that you can support our podcast in many ways? Within the description of this podcast, you will see a list of all the equipment that we use. These are Amazon affiliate links. Clicking on these links take you to Amazon. If you buy whatever you're planning that week, we get a small kickback and you get a parcel at no extra cost. We would really appreciate your support. Or you can just go old school and donate a pound or whatever you feel is appropriate in there. Please subscribe, tell a friend about our show. And thank you for your support and we'll see you next week.